I'd like to apologise to all of you that for some reason, all episodes this week, my microphone doesn't seem to have been connected properly. So I've got that slightly tinny webcam type of noise uh, coming out of my microphone whenever I speak. You can hear enough of what I say, but it's just not particularly great. So I apologise for that. Um, I hope it'll all be back to normal and it'll never happen again. No idea. I've done this a couple of times with an episode of Please Be Seated and other podcasts I've guessed on, so no idea really whether this is the last time I'm going to forget to connect my microphone up, but uh just thought this warning's probably better than me going back and re-recording every single thing I said, uh, so apologies for that. Uh, please tune in uh, and continue to listen and regular programming will appear next week. Alright, enjoy the episode. Welcome to Two Minutes About Time, the podcast that takes a look at the Richard Curtis film About Time, two minutes at a time. I'm I'm one of your hosts, Luke Allen, and with me, as always, is Robert E.G. Black. Hello, hello. And our special guest for this week, Alice Lauren. Um, hello. <laughs> so, Alice, would you like to tell our listeners a little bit about yourself and what it is that you do? Yeah, so I... I'm also a podcaster, and I've been guesting on a ton of podcasts, but also I am a panelist on the Now You've Seen It movie podcast, called Now You've Seen It, and we just talk about all the quintessential, fun, cool movies that go around, and talk to guests who've never seen the movie before, and it's just, it's a fun time. So I can't remember your response to when I asked you, have you seen this film before? I have, yeah, once. Before. Do you, do you remember much of your opinions or experience first time seeing it, or just a casual yeah, view? Yeah, yeah. You know, I, I, I knew I had seen it once before, and I couldn't quite, I couldn't really remember it. Very much. I mean, I was like, oh, okay, this is the Rachel, this is the Rachel McAdams time travel movie, which is like four movies. Yeah. But, but, uh, but no, I, I mean, I knew it was a sweet. Movie. I feel like for some reason I remember a few years ago when I saw this not really liking it in a way, and I don't, I could not remember why. I think I remembered maybe that there was something sad about it. For some reason, I thought that the the mom had died, and that uh, I feel like I might remember maybe crying about that um, at the time. Well, and I, mean, and that was, I was kind of shocked watching watching uh, again for this. So that's interesting. No spoilers, Luke. Yeah, I was going to say. <laughs> <laughs> they so, won't ruin it for you. Yeah, so if, I mean, so I assume you've just rewatched these minutes. Then do you remember? So you don't know the rest of the film, or oh no, I I watched the whole the whole oh, movie bro. again. Okay. But I just was kind of like, I, for some reason, I thought it was the mom that had died that had like basically <laughs> broke me. <laughs> but uh, but it was not that. Um, but it's it's so interesting because as I was watching it, I was kind of I was watching it yesterday again, and I was like, you know, I mean, I I couldn't remember how how funny the writing was. I mean, the writing's funny, you know, love the movie, very sweet, very heartfelt, all these great things. But also, 
kind of weirdly, like, instantly forgettable in a weird way. And I, I, I don't know why. Because it, it, it's really good. <laughs> yeah. Because it's life. Yeah, I guess. Do you remember everything funny that everyone around you says? Well, you exactly. remember that those people are funny? Well, you know, but, like, but I didn't remember it as, like, a quirky, funny kind of movie, you know? But then uh. you kind of get back into it. So I feel like the only sort of scenes that I was remembering from, you know, when I watched years ago were, like, something, like, at the beach. It's probably, you know, a picturesque kind of thing. But it was, like, one, not even, like, what was going on in this, but it was like, oh, yes, I'm sure there was some sort of a beach scene. I remembered them coming coming to the door of the of their family home, of Tim's family home. Like, that was, like, the only thing I could picture in my mind. Mm. Okay, so this will definitely be an interesting uh, discussion. Like, I say, I can't... I guess, first time around, it must be forgettable, because I didn't remember much of it when I first saw it. Yeah. And then it wasn't until I watched it, like, the second or third time, that suddenly I was like, this is really good, and the next thing I know, it's, like, my favourite film, and... I'm obsessed with yeah. it at this point. Well, there's a there's a beautiful beach house, and there's a beach, and there's a family, and that's you know you remember the bare bones. I say now I know it pretty much off my heart, but I've seen it too many times okay. now. And I think mm-hmm. um, I actually haven't discussed this. I wonder if there's a weird sentimentality to it because I specifically remember watching this on the day a couple of years ago that my dog died. Like, I was watching this. Oh, that just, would do yeah, it, yeah. I was, I was yeah. watching it just as my parents, like, came in and said that, like, he didn't make it. And I think, and then my, I can't remember where I was up to or anything like that, but it's strong enough in my head that this has got that sentimental <coughs> purpose as well. Um, yeah. Yeah. And weirdly, I think that, that viewing was the first time that I kind of realised this film is really good. Like, I think that was the time where I, like, teared up at, the wedding and all the other bits, and, yeah. Yeah, the different like 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 implications. Where yeah, where I mean, because it's so both witty and yet heartfelt. You know, you you go from like the snappy dialogue, and then you have this like, well, if we have a third child, you know, you'll never see your your father again. I mean, it's just this incredible mm. idea. It's it's literally yeah, like kill your father to have a child, basically. Sort of, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, um, so to go into minute 11, yeah. um, we open with um, Tim continuing his line from the previous minute, where it, and he says, um, it'd just be great if it could help me get a girlfriend, which the dad mm-hmm. responds to with, wow, massive. Yeah, the mothership. And then Tim narrates whilst I know the name of the piece of music, and I forgot the name of the piece of music. He's <laughs> um, playing... Uh, where's my phone? I've, I've li- I was literally listening to it the other day. Um, yeah. I was going to say, I, while you're looking, like I love their, their relationship. That is the coolest father-son relationship. I don't know if I was <laughs> trying to think of like a, a, a more interesting you know, one in, in similar movies, or not similar movies for that matter. Yeah, right. So the, the piece of music is called At the River, and it's by Groove Armada. Uh, that's playing at this point and it starts as background music and then it becomes later on what's playing on Charlotte's um, like radio which I think is great yeah um, but that I possibly only know that because of the number of times I listen to the soundtrack which is 
Richard Curtis seems to always be great with music. Like, mm. I think all of his films just have incredible use of music. And he's always, like, very specific about, like, his music library. And this film especially, like, part of the writing was, like, written around featuring certain songs that he liked. And even to the point where mm. he'd have, like, some of the piece of music in his headphones, like, while they were filming in order to check that it fits along with the tracks that he wanted. Um, huh. Oh. So, yeah, that's... That, that's a bit interesting for me. So then Tim moves on to narrate, unless there's... Oh, I tell the visuals. Is there anything interesting at this point? It's just him walking, isn't it, at this point? No, we're just backing out of the same hallway. Yeah, no, I was, I, I was intrigued what you said about the music, because I didn't necessarily notice the score, but, like, some of the songs being being used... I mean, obviously, some that I, I absolutely love. Um, you know, How Long Will I Love You? And, and I forgot what was the... The New Year's song from earlier, but um, well, I guess we'll, we'll probably hear it again <laughs> coming up. But but um, I know my my friend that I was watching it with was saying like, oh, could they not get the rights to play the real you know New Year's song? Could they not find the rights to play the the real wedding procession song? You know, so that was such a weird it was a weird take. But I think it was a, kind of a Quirky, whimsical use of music as well. Well, I know, at least with Il Mondo at the wedding, like, that was mm-hmm. definitely, like, a very big thing for Rich Curtis. Like, he's even talked about the fact that he once wrote a sitcom just so he could use that piece of music as the theme tune. Um, <laughs> it was it was called Yes Minestrone. Um, oh, wow. And that sounds fake, but okay. Yeah. No. <laughs> No, originally I thought it was, but then a the number of times I've heard him say that in interviews, it's like, oh, I'm pretty sure it's true. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, so we have just, we, it's, it's just the general shot, reverse shot, really, on Tim and his dad at first, and then yep. him walking down, uh, yeah, walking down the that famous corridor. And then we have um, Kit Kat and Charlotte turn up in that vehicle. And this has been described as the most dangerous scene in the film, as the actress who played Kit Kat could not drive. Oh. <laughs> and a lot of things were, like, messing up at this point, apparently. Oh, no. Um, so, here. Yeah. And this is about the point that one of the deleted scenes would have taken place. It's it's coming. Um, I'm trying to check. I've, I've got your version of the transcript now, so that's... Well, I was gonna say, is that where that went? Because it felt like it was. No, like, I would. I would put it tomorrow on the next episode, yeah. actually. Yeah. Because it, I think it should go after the suntan lotion stuff. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I just mean the the um, the other one with Charlotte when she's first coming in. Oh, I might not have seen that one. Really? Okay. I just. I just I just watched the pajama one oh, the pajama. in the hallway, and yeah. then him in his bedroom with the pajamas again. Okay. Then you haven't seen this other thing you've seen, never mind. Um, I'll see oh. if I can find it. Mm-hmm. Hang on. Because um, it's quite short, so we could, I could probably just play it <laughs> in a second. Because um, it's, it's one with uh, when Charlotte first turns up, and he's like trying to make a good impression. And he keeps, like, going back and changing his outfit and stuff. Like, that's one which I can... Not the pajama one? It's, no, it's not the pajama one. The pajama one I really like. Oh. This one felt a bit... I could see why it was cut. Um, 
Like he was, it was like, hello, this is Tim, and he just has different, like, outfits. Oh, it, it is on the video I have, it just, for some reason, it's at the end of it. Yeah, I, the order of deleting scenes on that is weird. And yeah. some of them are trimmed down a little bit as well. Um, which is odd, because when I was watching them on the Blu-ray, like, things are different. So I assume, Alice, you haven't seen this deleted scene either. <laughs> um... No, I only sent her... Well, it's in the video I sent her, but I don't know if she watched the whole thing. I I watched... I think everyone... Because you both sent me different stuff, but it was basically the same Yeah, I, I didn't know stuff. how much Robert sent, and then I was like, oh, I'd better send off. Yeah. Yeah, so... It's... Yeah, I, I think the one you sent me, Luke, I was kind of like, wait, what do you mean? This is the same stuff that he sent. So I kind of was like, well, I... I mean, I... I, I just kind of get it back in my head, but yeah, that works. I, I, I yeah, <coughs> um, I hadn't even realised the deleted scenes until recently, so I didn't know whether Robert had sent them. Mm. Um, so yeah, I mean, it's just it's it's an odd deleted scene. There's not really too much to say about it, really. Um, yeah, because I we don't really need to discuss the deleted scenes in as much detail as the scenes from the film mm-hmm. itself, um, but. Do you think that they were needed, though? Do you think that we needed more of her Charlotte character? Um, I mean, not this one with the car. I really, really like the pajama bit. Like, that had me in stitches. Um, I -hmm. think it's slightly overdone in the scene in the car. I get why they did it, and I probably wouldn't have had an issue for it in the film. I think they definitely couldn't have included both, because it would have been a little too much. Yeah. Of him, like, going back in time just to change his outfit is a little much. Yeah. Well, because we, we kind of already had had the, that already the, like, all right, you know, bad impression, all right, all right, better impression, no, all right, best impression, like, we already kind of have that already, and you already see that kind of... We get it with the lotion. Yeah. yeah, you know, between having to change for, you know, change for her, possibly, but not as much for his wife, that's a whole other <laughs> thing, but, um, you know, kind of redo your impressions. That's a really good point, well, he's, he's younger yeah, he here, is. so... Um, yeah. And I, I'm sure there'll be a heck of a lot more that we'll discuss, Robert, when we get to him with Mary, and whether yeah. it's morally correct for him to use her own words to draw her in... <laughs> <laughs> um, mm-hmm. Like I remember that was discussed majorly on the commentary, and they were like, "Oh, it's fine because yeah. he loves her." And then like Donald Gleason says, "I'm like, well, that's the excuse the stalkers would use as well." <laughs> it's just, um, yeah, yeah. So to go back to the actual uh, minute, we have um, Tim's narration. For me, it was always going to be about love, and that was the summer I walked into the eye of the storm. Her name was Charlotte, cousin mm-hmm. of Kit Kat's, handsome but nasty boyfriend, Jimmy. And she was staying for two whole months. Um, so, so how close was was Charlotte, I guess, to Kit Kat in a way? Because I think, like, re-watching these, these minutes and kind of realizing, oh, you know, it's, she's not just, like, family friend. Like, she's, you know, sort of a friend of Kit Kat's, but more of, like, cousin of her boyfriend. So it was just a really weird, like... I don't know. It was it was just it was interesting, kind of looking at it through that lens versus like a family friend you grew up with your whole life sort of thing. Just the way they're embracing her 
like on her last night at, at dinner. Yeah. It was just it, it is, is yeah. kind of weird because yeah, I was sort of wondering that as to why, like, why a she how does she know her boyfriend's cousin? Yeah, and why yeah. she's staying with Kit Kat rather than with Jimmy? Yeah, and exactly. The one thing actually in the deleted scene is suggested that like. Tim doesn't know that Kit Kat's with Jimmy at this point. <laughs> like, oh, yeah. Which is even weirder. Like, how could they be so close for Tim to not know that they're together? Um, mm-hmm. And one thing, actually, which we don't get in this bit, because I didn't even realise until the later scene that it was Kit Kat who was driving the car. Like, it didn't even sort of oh, twig to me, because oh. you don't see her at this point. Um, but I'm noticing more and more mm-hmm. Kit Kat and Purple. Um, oh. Like in the deleted scene, she's wearing purple. The car's purple. I'm pretty sure. Um, yeah, her bikini later on is like bluish and purple. And I'm wondering whether that's in his original description of her. So yeah, purple shirts. So yeah, so yeah. purple shirting. That makes sense. Um, and actually, although completely out of order uh, once again, because um, I forgot to mention earlier, when we have that shot of Tim going down the hallway, once again he matches the colours. Somehow, it's weird because every outfit he wears is different colours, but still matches the hallway. So it must, as you said, be something to do with the lighting and stuff. Mm. Um, because, yeah, like, his his boxes and shirt match the colours of, like, the walls and stuff. Um, yeah. I'll be interested to follow Tim's outfit, like, throughout and see how many other things he matches. And over to this. Um, so then... At the transcript, uh, just one, not both of them, um, is the next line. I'm trying to remember what the context for that was. Yeah. That's just background dialogue. Uh, it's Charlotte saying it about the magazine she's reading. That makes sense. It was on your, it's one of the only lines that on your transcript wasn't put to anyone. So I was just confused for a moment. Uh, right. Yeah. And then she asks Tim whether he'll uh, do her back. And he's absolutely. And she jokes about how keen he is. And I mean, this this scene is a is a really good scene. I, I mean, the one thing about how condensed Margot Robbie's time is without the deleted scenes is that it is just sort of a funny and enjoyable part of the film, just as like one segment really. Like she's only in it for about yeah. five ten minutes, but like it's it's sort of an enjoyable part of his life really. Um. And mm-hmm. it's kind of weird, like, the fact that, I don't know how to describe this, the fact that it's in, like, such a sort of condensed segment of the film is it is almost like, because we are like Tim at this point, it's like just a memory which has been condensed almost. So when he goes back, mm-hmm. like, we feel like we did spend that summer with Charlotte, you know, when he told, sees her later on. I don't know whether the way I'm phrasing this makes any sense at all, but... I don't know. No, yeah, I feel like, he remembers I think it's in so pieces. Condensed, yeah. and, and just the pieces that oh, we no, see no, no, no. it in, it's just yeah. And then we get Tim's actual mishap with the sun cream. Yeah, I feel like we don't see her enough. Like I, I understand what you're saying, but I feel like to me the way that it's condensed makes it feel like she was only there. For a few days, yeah. even though you know it's the that summer, it's very, very quickly too. And then the last night of you know before she left, you know, 
I have a I have a thing. You were talking earlier about how the movie some of the specifics are sort of forgettable after you yeah. watch it. For me, it was actually slightly different in that I remember I remembered her having a bigger oh. part. Oh. And I even thought, I mean, spoilers for later, I even thought he did go with her one of the times he meets her later at oh. the theater. And, like, he did go into her apartment, and he doesn't. And th- when that happened, when I watched the movie again this what, last week, I was like, wait, I remembered something happening that didn't happen in the film. <laughs> and thought Charlotte was a bigger part. And I'm like, that's weird, because, th- as you're saying, it fits that this this plays like a memory. It's yeah. condensed, because what does he remember? Her arriving and him like, falling for um, her. Yeah. Him making a fool of himself and then fixing it. Her playing tennis and then her leaving and it's like that's it because all the days would be the same and it's just a summer a long time yeah, I ago. I mean, I wonder whether we also sort of see the evolution of Tim as well. Like his first love interest, we yeah. see her personality trait is she's attractive and she's the one he likes. And then, like when he gets yeah. to Mary, like we see her through Tim's eyes as like a proper three-dimensional person, you know. And I wonder. Yeah. Oh, and we also. We and he, he meet her in the dark, so it's a different yeah, in, introduction. Yeah, I guess. Yeah, and yeah. that's something to say later on, actually, is that Donald Gleeson had Rich McAdams, like, record audio of her singing a song and her reading a poem before they filmed, and he'd listen to it every day, so he'd fall in love with her voice um, in order to do those scenes, which wow. I think is just incredible. Um, uh and yeah, I mean, I guess another thing is Margot Robbie's accent is really good. Yeah. <laughs> like, consider, like, this is the first thing I knowingly saw Margot Robbie in, and I would have had no idea she was Australian. Yeah, I mean, I just think, yeah, the accents are just, they are very well done, and I mean, part of me wonders, like, Margot Robbie didn't really have to be British in this. Like, I mean, I assume she... Well, she had a dialect coat, so I guess one of the character didn't really have to be British. Right, she's a cousin. She could be from yeah. Australia. She's really, I mean, from your American side of things, like, is her American accent good in, like, Wolf of Wall Street and Suicide Squad and things like that? Like, uh, I don't remember her, what she sounded like in Wolf of Wall Street. I only saw that once. But uh, Suicide Squad, she's got a very specific sort of American accent that, it, yeah, it comes across that. I think a better one would be her in um, Bombshell. She's got a very specific American accent, like good blonde middle America kind of girl. But she does well. So I guess we just go straight on to the next minute. Do we have any other? No, I've got visuals. Ah, uh, of course. Visuals. <laughs> was, that, was that your attempt to uh, no, do a British what? accent then? How dare you call it an attempt? It was accidental, actually. It was. It was better um, than. It's better than a lot of other British accents I've heard. There's certain words that I I can say them, and I, like that one, I was just the way I said no. It just came out that way because it's a good no. Um, I just had a couple of comments on visuals because we already mentioned the purple car. That was one I had, but uh, the deliberate introduction of Charlotte does make her a physical object because the camera starts on her legs and moves up. Mm-hmm. And so it's definitely like turning her, objectifying her. Uh, but a couple of things I love: Dad is reading another book when he's sitting outside. So I think that's the fourth one we've seen him with. 
in only 11 minutes. Say, are we, we, we going to keep book count throughout the... I could try. Uh, unfortunately, it's you can almost never tell what book it is. The first one we could, and then otherwise it's, it's like books without their cover, like their jackets on. So I guess it's don't know. cheaper for production as well to not have to show the front cover. Yeah, and you just grab whatever cheap book you've got and use it. Um, I guess they would have had to have get like got like licensing clearance for him to have the Amelie poster and stuff. Possibly, you don't have to. But you get it if you don't want any problems later, because if they don't, if the people who made Amelie don't like the movie, they can complain and that would like be a problem. Yeah, that's what that sort of surprised me. Because like at the moment, I'm I'm working on like a documentary about like people. Basically, all of my friends who are also in the same position as me and now left school unexpectedly and trying to find stuff to do. I'm basically making a documentary about trying to find stuff to do. And they keep mentioning, like, brand names and stuff, and I'm like, can I keep that in? Yeah. Can I not? Probably for documentary's sake, it's probably fine to keep brand names. Yeah, for a documentary, you sort of could. And it's not going to be major enough for anyone to kick up a fuss. Um, and I also just wanted to comment on Kit Kat as a visual, because, like, we see the father's reaction to Tim really obvious. Like, he puts his hand to, hand to his head, and he's, like, kind of disappointed. Kit Kat finds all of this hilarious. Like, even the fact that Charlotte asked him to come over there, she laughs. And she laughs when he, like, runs over there like a dork, and and she laughs when he makes a mistake. She's she's great in this minute. I, I'm wondering, like, why she even really asked, I guess? Like, is she, is she teasing him? Is it the sisters? I think it's a complete tease. I think, I think she oh, yeah. knows 100%. Big brother, little brother, <laughs> yeah. Because... I mean, we see later on, we get the whole line about, oh, you're not going to ask me about love, are you? Like, I think yeah. that there's been conversation between Charlotte and Kit Kat, wherein, you know, they're having a laugh about it all, really. Yep. Yeah. Which, I mean, imagine that for two months. <laughs> I feel that would be both an amazing and really awkward um, two months of your life to have this person who he's at this point like utterly in love with basically winding him up about it for the whole time yeah, yeah that's true yeah, yeah I how, how many times I did she ask him to do this you know how many days did they lay out there in bikinis yeah 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 I wish we I, I wish, now I wish we could have seen more of that that build up with the pajamas and the, all the yeah we'll, we'll get We'll get onto the pajamas no, next minute, and that is yeah. that is possibly like I am so annoyed that that is cut because I think yeah. I think it's hilarious. Because I was gonna say by the time that they were you know later on in the in the film at, at the at the theater, and he's like, oh, it's my first love, and I was like, first love. I mean, I know people, you know, he wasn't that young. I mean, he was at least twenty one, but like. You know, he could be, you know, misguided and, oh, okay, was that really your first love? But I was like, what do you mean, lo love? Like, I didn't see enough of that. I just saw, like, oh, here's a hot girl <laughs> kind of thing. Yeah, but I think I, I think he's a sort of naive romantic who, yeah. who sort of mistakes a crush for love. Well, I think, I wonder if it's also a British thing, because he's specifically 21, but I think the way the beginning of the movie plays, he feels more like we would play, like, a teenager. Yeah. Like, mid-teens, where he's, 
this is literally the first time he's ever really fallen for a girl and like the first time it ever came up he just went through puberty and everything but then he's 21 because they want to set up that he is an adult you know and otherwise some of this could be awkward yeah i mean i guess he is sort of yeah sort of post-teen but 21 is an odd age for that stuff because 21 in the uk like he could be nearly finished with a college degree or like a good way into not college degree, it's a university degree or like you know be a good way into a job by this point like it's still a right it's a very adult age yeah. i mean traditionally, I, I assume the way the movie yeah. plays it that he hasn't gone to university yet that's why we jump forward and he has a degree you know but i don't know yeah i mean even the entire law thing like there is no setup for that before oh, suddenly he's a lawyer. No. Yeah, and I feel like even like I mean I know the whole movie spans a few years, but I just feel like it's like and then the next year he met Mary or something like that. Like, but maybe in the same uh-huh. light, we're experiencing it as if we know Tim and he's telling us the story. Like yeah. he wouldn't yeah. tell us every detail of the story. No, because yeah. for him it's all about yeah. love, so that's the story like, he's it's telling. It's not, like, I mean, to look at a different thing, I guess, take the, the show How I Met Your Mother, and how that show yeah. does go into every single detail, obviously that's the joke with the show, but then Tim's telling this story to us, the audience, who you could assume is like a friend of Tim's, almost, and he's, yeah, he's telling us it, but only the stuff that is relevant to lead on to, you know, from point A to, to point B, with the occasional odd funny anecdote as he goes along almost like tangents yeah. mid-conversation like it feels hence I don't mind all this sort of rush stuff with Margot Robbie because I feel like that's the way it would work um, but yeah to move sort of straight on to the, to the um, next minute when he just sort of goes back in time to do it again mm-hmm. does the dad know? yes that's what I wanted to know. That, it was such I, a. I would, I would say absolutely. He does something stupid and then runs inside. The dad is like, "Yeah, I, okay, I know it's about to happen." No, but I mean, like afterwards, like when he's perfecting it, does yeah, like because he, he gives a look, but apparently, like even Richard Curtis, according to the commentary, didn't really know. Every, apparently, everyone on the crew was asking him, "Does the dad know?" And he was like, "I don't know." <laughs> I don't. I don't think the dad would know every time he does something, but I think there'd be. He knows Tim as an awkward little. Yeah, so so well I almost so called him calm. a ginger. <laughs> 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 Sorry, Luke. Um, <laughs> um, but his dad knows he's yeah. awkward, so anytime he does something that's like cool and in the moment, he probably assumes something happened. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, so, or how much has the dad helped this along if he was like, you know, oh, I like her for or, you know, whatever it is, like, or I don't like her for that matter. He could change things too. I I do love this whole bit where Tim then goes to to do it that properly, and he, he's you know he's reading the book, and it's oh just give us a sec. <laughs> it's just yeah. I think it's such a it's such a great and quick jump, and part of me wonders whether that is only the second time he's done this, or whether he has repeated it a lot of times as well. Mm-hmm. Um, 
because for him to go from a complete mess to having perfected it is just well it's sunblock it's yeah, not hard to perfect not, <laughs> the hesitation with the book though does seem like something it took him a few times to get just right because he needs to make charlotte wait and it looks like she never has had to because she does like she's like okay and Kit Kat even reacts to that like that's weird and I when he actually like this is another thing of what we're saying about like her sort of teasing him when he does it and she does say the whole you know oh nice like I think that is semi flirtatious even there <laughs> you oh, know, yeah. she she knows that she's sort of leading him on at this point um, and then I think it's awkward Tim once again when he says it's my area like, it's just, it's not, it's yeah. not the right thing to say. Well, yeah. I don't think he's done this a lot of times. There's one, um, when he gets the sunblock on his hands, like, he rubs them together, he blows on it, like, you know, he's practices. But then he's really awkward when he reaches out to actually touch her. Yeah. Like, this is still the first time he's gotten that far. And I think, And so yeah. maybe he's only done it, like, two, three times. And I think it, you, it feels so natural that he is sort of uncomfortable about touching yeah. her I think it's yeah it's such a, a a tiny thing which I think Richard Curtis has written and directed really well um, as we've said before mostly through Bill Nye but Richard Curtis is very good at awkwardness mm-hmm. yeah I mean when we said before about like music I'm probably going to keep talking about The Girl in the Cafe but The Girl in the Cafe is a film like Whereas Richard Curtis films are normally full of music, there is so much of a lack of music in so many scenes in that that it's just awkward pauses and like silence and it it just feels so real. Um, I don't know where you can watch The Girl in the Cafe in the States, but if it's on anything, then it's definitely worth taking another look at because um, it's just a good film. Uh, so then Tim narrates... It was a summer of suntan and torture. Um, would you say... So we've got this whole bit about inviting Jay. Do we think pyjamas is probably a good point to talk about the pyjama scene before tennis? Uh, I had tennis, had tennis first. first. Okay. Because uh, we're yeah. outside. You know. So he says, I invited my foolish friend Jay around for tennis because I thought he'd make me look good. Um... And that, that, cuts, that gives us the end of this uh, this minute, really, other than Jay saying beauty and we get a bit of their game. I'm sure Jay gets hit by a ball in the minute. Incidentally, Margot Robbie cannot play tennis. She is apparently, oh. apparently every shot she had hit the net. Did they say anything about her having a double for the tennis, even? I don't know. Did we see her with a double? Because you get that double in. No, I mean, I mean, no, I mean someone taking her place. Mm, I don't yeah. think so. There were a couple shots where I'm like, is that Margot Robbie? Because the face seems slightly wrong. And I'm like, maybe it's just because it's years ago and she just looks a little different how I'm used to her. Yeah. Um, I'm pretty sure I need to get to the... Well, we can discuss it more next minute because we only get a second of it here. But yeah, it's on... And apparently Margot Robbie said that she was like a pro and she was really good at tennis and then she failed the whole thing. <laughs> um, and we'll find out later on and when we discuss how bad Bill Nye is at ping pong. Uh, or, in fact, yeah, did we call it ping pong or table tennis? Same thing, but it's just a... <laughs> what's the... Are they, are they both 
Yeah. I think in the movie they table call it tennis. table tennis. I don't know which. Like, I assume probably one of them is British and one of them is American. I don't know which one's which. Um, they might not be, but it, it, it feels like it feels like one would be an Americanism. Who knows? But anyway, basically, Bill Nye had to go through, had to have several lessons in table tennis in order to be able to even do the, the small games that he had um, in the film. But that's not relevant to this minute. So, is there anything worthwhile on visuals for this minute, Robert? Um. Well, I said the thing about Kit Kat reacting yeah. when he makes Charlotte wait. She's amused. Otherwise, no, it's all pretty simple. Uh, so, Alice, do you have any sort of final thoughts on these two minutes, I guess? Um, um I mean, just, I mean, basically what I've said before, I, I sort of wish there was more Margot Robbie, but I'm, I'm kind of questioning um, her, her character in a sense. I mean... I, I, I get it, you know, she was being kind of flirtatious, kind of, you know, teasing her her friend's brother, but I don't know, I, I think even kind of seeing the way she is years later with him, it it, it just, it, it kind of comes off as almost like a, a villainous character in a sense, like her, she didn't have much of a, much of a, a, a growth, I guess. I yeah. know it was interesting. Robert said that he wasn't like a very three-dimensional character. It was like, oh yeah, hot girl, not much more to her, complete jerk, and then never changes. I think when she comes back, she's gone through something, and like Tim's basically her rebound. Like at least that's how it feels yeah. to me. It's like she had no interest mm. in him at all, but she knows that she can rely on him to make her feel good. Yeah, she's bored, yeah. Um, and this is, of course, the first of four collaborations between Donald Gleeson and Margot Robbie. Um, oh. Because this was followed with Goodbye Christopher Robin in 2017, and then Peter Rabbit yeah. in 2018, and then Peter Rabbit 2 this year. Um, mm-hmm. Have you guys seen Goodbye Christopher Robin? Like, that's such a good film. Yes, yes. Oh. Yeah, it was good. Well, yeah, it's just the whole story of Winnie the Pooh and Donald Gleeson and Margot Robbie play um, A.A. Milne and his wife. And it's, it, it's such... Is it, is it Margot Robbie or is it Rachel McAdams? I wasn't sure. It's Margot Robbie. Yeah. I thought it was... Is it? Oh, interesting. It wasn't... He and, and Rachel McAdams were in some other movies? Maybe. I thought, I mean, I'll, I'll research that now. Okay. I hadn't even checked. As I said, mm-hmm. I don't. I hardly know anything with Rachel McAdams in it. So I've, I've literally today gathered together the two Rachel McAdams, well, the three Rachel McAdams films that I found in the house, and I'm planning on watching them at some point this week. Um, as soon as I first saw her on screen, I was like, "Oh, it's Regina George." <laughs> yeah, weirdly, I saw Mean Girls after about time, and like, I didn't even twig that it was her at first. Like, I think it was literally just her being blonde and a very different character. It wasn't until I think maybe the second time I watched Mean Girls and I was like, and I was just acknowledging the credits. And I was like, ah, it's Rachel McAdams. Um, so yeah, I mean, I still haven't seen The Notebook, so that'll be tomorrow. Oh. I plan to watch it today, and then I don't remember what I did actually. Oh yeah, I watched Fisher King. You watched the Fisher King. Um, yeah, looking forward to talking about that at some point. Um, 
Right, so, um, Alice, where can our listeners find you on social media? Yeah, so uh, on social media, you can find me on Facebook, Alice Lauren, and then my Twitter is at AliMezh, A-L-I-M-E-Z-H, and I have a TikTok now. <laughs> it's Podcast Socialite, which is what I've been <laughs> slash decided to crown myself. The first TikTok <laughs> credit on this show. There we go. That's right. <laughs> um, so, Robert, once again, where can the listeners find you? Uh, social media, Robert E.G. Black, and my website for links to all my podcasts are on uh, lemmingdrops.com. Speaking of uh, the Fisher King, by the way, yeah. I th- probably by the time this episode goes up, you can hear me and Luke talking about the Fisher King and about time over on one of my podcasts, Cock and Bull. I hope it's an interesting one. <laughs> hey, well. Um, and uh, the listeners can find me on Twitter at llama underscore bottle zero. Uh, they can find me on Instagram at the ginger Luke. Uh, all my podcasts, short films, radio interviews, all of that are all available at lukeallen.co.uk. And this podcast can be found on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram at Two Mins About Time. Thank you so much for tuning in and we hope you listen again on Wednesday. Goodbye. Cheerio. Cheers. The Two Minutes About Time theme is performed by Ethan O'Mahony and is a cover of the About Time theme originally composed by Nick Laird Close. Two Minutes About Time is a production of Lemming Drop Studios in association with Bottle O Productions. Mm-hmm.